SoftRep Radio is a special operations, military-grade podcast hosted by a team of combat-hardened veterans. We're an unbiased source for frontline military news and behind-the-scenes war stories. We've interviewed the infamous SEAL Team 6, skilled snipers, clandestine operatives, and so many more. Listen to SoftRep Radio every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Chelsea Handler. Welcome to Life Will Be the Death of Me, a production of iHeartRadio. Good morning. I am here with someone that I know a lot of my uh, listeners and fans are very interested in hearing from. Her name is Laura Lynn Jackson. She is a, well, let me, how do you classify yourself? Psychic medium? That would be the exact proper way to say it. Psychic medium. Psychic medium. You've written two books so far. Yes. The first book was called The Light Between Us. Yep. The Light Between Us. And the second book that just came out is called Signs, The Secret Language of the Universe. And I met Laura Lynn with my book editor who helped me with my most recent book, Life Will Be the Death of Me, which this podcast is eponymously named after. And we went to dinner. And she was telling me all about her uh, shenanigans as a psychic medium. And I was like, well, I need a reading stat. So we got on the phone one night and you gave me about, I think, a three hour reading. Yeah, I lose track of time when I read. So it probably was about three hours. A three hour. And I wrote a lot of it down. And some of it happened. Some of it did not happen. But you said at the time that these things, you're big into manifestation and talking about Writing things down, like, you know, the type of person, the type of man I'm looking for to go home and to write down all those qualities, which I believe I did. And well, he still hasn't come, but I believe he's coming. Oh, he's definitely coming. He's going to show up. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm getting really ready for a real relationship. Like I've almost completely lost interest in just sex. So I something better come along. Anyway, your new book, I opened it up. I got an advanced copy and I started reading it. And the first chapter was about oranges yeah. and how oranges are instruments that can be used to communicate with people who have died. Yeah. So that caught my attention because you know how I feel about oranges. And orange is the theme of my new cannabis line coming out, my my book, my life, everything. Everybody needs an orange. Amazing. And when Great. you can hand somebody an orange, it's like handing somebody a lifeline. Like So I throw them out at the end of my stand-up shows. And I've taken the color orange back because it was a, such a disruptive color for me for so long after the election because it represented the color of our president. But I want to talk about oranges, how you start out with oranges, because once you convinced me to start asking for signs from my brother, from my mother, I did. And then they would appear. And it was mind boggling because I didn't really believe in that. And I was cynical about it. Mm -hmm. I still am a little bit cynical about it. But I think when you really believe in something, that power is more powerful than almost anything. Yeah. And I think you can make things happen. I think we all know you can make things happen. So when I asked, I asked my brother to show me an orange recently, I was in New Orleans. I have the picture on my phone. I said, please show me a picture out of place and let me know if you're with my cousin who had recently passed away. Uh, show me two oranges if you're with him and show me one orange if you're not. And I saw a huge, giant, oversized, plastic kind of um, orange on the roof of somebody's car, like the size of one of those, what are those Trump um, balloons they make? What are those things called? I'm sorry. I'm so tired. I can't even think of words. You know, the things that fly up in the sky, like an inflated balloon. Like like at the Macy's parade. Yeah, it was like one of those on top (laughs) of a car. 
And I was like, okay, so then Eddie's not there, my cousin who passed away. And I told my aunts and I told my cousins who were really grieving because they lost their cousin and their father about this book. And I told them about the oranges with my brother. And I told them to pick a sign for each of them individually between their brother and their father. And they've all seen signs since. Yeah, it works. It does work. So why does it work? It works because, you know, death is not the end of anything. It's not a dead end. It's a doorway. And the relationships we have, the love that we have for the people who have crossed to the other side, that connects us. You know, and I think that when the when we cross, we are always looking, number one, to let our loved ones hear, know that we're really okay, that, you know, our consciousness survived the bodily death. And I think we we definitely don't want our loved ones getting stuck in grief you know, getting caught in a phase of living but not living or, you know, missing them so much physically that we can't enjoy life and we can't, you know, find our highest path and do what we're meant to do in the world. So I think the other side is deeply invested in trying to communicate with us and letting us know that they're around, they're watching over us, they love us, they're rooting us on. And yes, they can even guide us. And that's what this language is all about. You know, whether or not anyone recognizes it immediately, anybody who has someone on the other side, those people on the other side have been trying to guide you your whole life. You know, so they send default signs. That's what I've learned, too, to identify a lot of the signs that they'll send if we don't specifically ask for something. But the beautiful thing is that when we do ask for something specific, we get it. That's why, you know, I totally get being skeptical. If I didn't have the abilities I have, if I didn't have the experiences that I've had, I don't know that I'd believe in it. I really don't. Um, you bring up being cynical. You know, being cynical it's not being skeptical. That means that you think everybody is out, you know, for themselves and there's always an angle. I don't think you're cynical at all, Chelsea. I think you're. Oh, yeah. I guess skeptical. I yeah, use that word in yeah. I tend I, to do I that. Think if, you listen, l- if you listen to this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> you know that I like to correct people for doing that. And then I do it myself. Yeah, no. But you know what? Words hold energy. And I just want you to know, like, you are definitely skeptical in all the great ways that you should be. I don't think anyone should ever listen to, let's say, a, a supposed psychic medium, tell them something and be like, oh, OK, I believe that 100%. I think we are meant to go on our own journeys of understanding and we're meant to test it and seek our answers. But the beautiful thing is, is when you do get your answer, when you do get your sign, the most important step there is owning it. What I love about you is that you tested it. It came through for you. And now you are being a teacher to others. Like, look what you're doing within your own family. You're helping to heal. You're helping to teach. You're helping others understand that there is still this language of communication. You know, we might not have arms to hug our loved ones once we cross. We might not have voice boxes to say, I love you out loud. But there are other ways that our loved ones are coming through to us, are letting us know they're around and and helping us find our highest and best path because they have a way better view of things on the other side than we do here. Yeah. Okay. So this book opens, Signs, the Secret Language of the Universe. This book opens with a story also about a a group of sisters and a father who lost their mother. So these are testimonies of people Mm -hmm. who have asked, who have seen signs or who have asked to see signs. And now this group of women didn't ask to see signs, right? They just, she came upon 
Why don't you tell the story? Which one are you talking about? I'm talking about, about the four, three or four sisters that lost the mother, the Queen of Hearts. Oh, the Queen of Hearts story. Yeah, that's a beautiful one. That's this book, right? Yeah, that yeah, is okay. this book. That's like a couple of chapters in. That's because ab- I've retold it. Right. I've retold the story, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm butchering yeah. it. Yeah, no, you're actually doing a great job. You know, and all these stories are beautiful because they're shared by people who have agreed to share their stories in in order to help others understand. So there's a woman named Nancy, and her mother also named Nancy had crossed and, you know, she hadn't asked for a sign or language. And she was on a a trip on an airplane when her mom crossed and she had this sense that her mom was crossing. And when she got to her destination, she found something very odd on the ground that day. She found these playing cards and and the queen of hearts was flipped up, like up to show the picture. Face up. Face up. Thank you. See, I can't speak either. <laughs> and, it must uh, be New York. We're in New- it is. Fi- it's New York we're energy. Recording. We're filming this. We're filming this out <laughs> of New York City today. Uh, so she thought, hmm, you know what? If my mom were to have been a playing card, she would have totally been the queen of hearts because she's all about love and she's all about that. And then she got to her next destination the next day and there it was again, the queen of hearts playing card like on a trail out of nowhere. And she started recognizing, like, I think this is my mom sending me a sign. And sure enough, it started coming up again and again. So she kind of shared that with her family, and they all started getting their own Queen of Hearts in, like, really unbelievable ways. You know, and it was their mom showing them, like, I'm with you, I'm around. And it it ended up really helping their entire family on this journey of grief. Well, it's just so much more comforting to think that you can still communicate with people. That's all anyone wants. And yeah. when we're when we're sit in our pain and get stuck in our pain, you know, it's because we don't believe that we're still hurt by the loss of that instead of the gratitude for having had the time with them and for the gratitude in having and, 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 and to honor their lives. You know, that was something we talked about is honoring those who have died instead of mourning them. Of course, we have to mourn for a period of time and that's appropriate. Mm-hmm. But we get stuck in our grief and we got stuck in our pain. And I know my entire book was about getting stuck in grief and not being aware to it or aware of it, yeah. you know? So it's really therapeutic. And I have a Facebook group, which I absolutely love called The Orange Room, which was based on the book where people come and they talk about grief and loss. And it's a completely supportive community. I love that. And a lot of people on that page have talked about asking for signs as well. So can you talk to us a little bit like about how this works? I mean, I believe in energy, mm-hmm. you know, I don't believe in God as a person in the sky. I believe in energy and I believe mm-hmm. the fact that you can feel somebody's energy just says alone how powerful it is and that energy doesn't ever die. It transforms. That's a lot of Eckhart Tolle. He mm-hmm. talks about Absolutely. that. How your energy can't die. And when you're with a person who dies, you can see the shift yeah, and the and energy leave their body. Mm-hmm. And that energy has to transform into something else. And whatever else that is, is essentially the essence of who you are as, a, as an energy. Mm-hmm. And that is scientific to yes. me. Yes. And that makes sense. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. First of all, I love that you have this this kind of forum and this safe space for people to examine and discuss and be on their grief journeys. I think, you know, the one absolute for all of us here is that we're going to die. We're going to leave our physical bodies. And yet we live in fear. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about our grief. You know, grief can be a really private thing, but it doesn't have to be. And I think that helping others through their grief and helping others honor their grief is one of the greatest and bravest things we can do for each other. Um, you know, it makes us very vulnerable to honor our grief and to, to trust in that journey. But I think grief is really just 
the inverse of love. It's showing how much we love that person. I think it's very difficult when someone we love transitions out of their physical body to the other side because we're so used to the physicality of things here, you know, tangible things, things we can touch, things we can hold. So it's very unsettling to have faith in that or trust in that, that that person is still connected to us, still watching over us, that that consciousness still exists. And that's where signs come in. You know, what I became to understand very early on in in doing what I do, um, you know, being a psychic medium, basically talking to the other side, every time I would do a reading, I would be learning from the other side. I'd be learning about why we're here, which is really so simple to love and be loved. And, you know, I would learn how the other side would be already involved in our lives. And there would be some default signs they kept showing me they would send people to get their attention. You know, one of them was putting coins in their loved one's path. And I don't know why that is. I think that when we leave our physical bodies, we turn back into light energy. And for whatever reason, it's easy for us to maybe manipulate small metallic objects like coins. So putting a coin in someone's path on a day that's meaningful or during a moment when they're really feeling full of grief, just to let them know, like, hey, I'm with you. I'm around. And I always say pay attention to the dates on the coins, too, because sometimes there's a, a message there. Um, messing with electrical things, they love to do that. So, you know, back in the day it was flickering the lights, turning the TV on and off. But now that we have cell phones, I say pay attention to words that might change in your text box, odd texts you might get, phone calls on interesting dates, whether they're anniversaries, crossing dates, birthdays, because they still love to acknowledge those things. And then sending us creatures, certain creatures I've found are pretty prevalent. Birds, all different kinds of birds, you know, butterflies, dragonflies, ladybugs, even deer. And so, you know, I'm always wondering what's the science behind this, because the truth is that I know this is real. I'm not a woo-woo person. You know, I was raised by two teachers. I was raised to be a critical thinker. It took me decades to come to terms with my abilities and own them and, and honor them properly. And so I'm always wondering, how does this work? We're in this physical world and there are certain rules, you know, physical rules, rules of, you know, science that we abide by, but yet the other side can still talk to us. And what I've found about the creatures they tend to send are all those creatures are guided by electromagnetic fields here on Earth. So I think somehow it's easy for them to get them in our path. What I quickly began to understand is that it's not a one-sided language. We can ask them for specific things, and they can send it to us. And I think that is more evidential than anything. The thing that I love about getting signs is the more eccentric you make them, the more quirky you make them, the more that monkey mind part of your brain, that frontal lobe, you know, the the part that the part that meditation teachers say we have to like distract when we meditate, that monkey mind, that chattering. That monkey mind will always wrestle with any spiritual experience you have. And any sign you see. Because yes. you'll go, oh, like my friend said, where'd you see the orange? And I was like, well, mm-hmm. you know, the first time I asked for it, I was in a grocery store. But there were two <laughs> there were two oranges separated from the pack. And I walked in there specifically to see mm-hmm. the oranges and see if there was a sign. And she's like, well, obviously you're going to a grocery store. You know, there's an argument right. for everything and whatever. And, um, and I do believe it. I mean, I know it now because yeah. I've because I've feel and it, it you know when you say woo woo i i know what you mean because mm-hmm. of my resistance and you know there's an embarrassment to saying oh, yeah. oh i believe in i believe in it and and people are you know ashamed to say it and share it with people but it's really all that's important is what you believe yeah and if you believe in anything that power exceeds everything else and it's such a comfort to know that i can tap into my mom and my brother 
now yeah. when I want to. I feel them around me all the time. And sometimes they're not around. And that's a question I have for you. You know, my brother died a long, long time ago. My mother died, you know, about 10 years ago. What about, you know, I think you believe in reincarnation. Yes. Okay. So how, if 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 I'm still able to communicate with these people, that means that they haven't reincarnated. Mm-hmm. That means they're still in that land. What would you call that? I call it the other side. Okay. The other side land. Mm-hmm. We'll call it that. And by the way, if it's if they're if they're known for t- uh, messing with technology, then that explains my entire life. <laughs> because ever since my mother died, that is something my mom would yeah. do: is fuck with my audio visual at my house. <laughs> Everything at my house is operated by iPads, and nothing ever works. I can't get the music on or off. I can't get the TV on or off. I can't watch shows that I like. I just have to watch what's on because I'm scared about turning the channel. That is so funny. And that is what my mother would do. She yeah. would torture me with electronics. So I never made that connection. So, Brandon, if you're listening in L.A., which you're supposed to be, but apparently he didn't get up early enough today. <laughs> that's the, the explanation for our audiovisual situation. So where if you believe in reincarnation, what is holding these people back from reincarnating or does everybody not reincarnate? Yeah, it's a really great question. It's like, how does that whole thing work? You know, I think that there's a couple things to try to understand with that. And I'm very aware that the other side has explained it to me in a sense that it's the best that I can do to understand it in the way they're giving it to me. But I'm very aware that my brain is really like a dunce cap. You know, I have this small little mind right now. Here's what they've told me. They have told me that Earth is a school for our souls to learn a collective lesson in love and that we are only as strong as our weakest link, which is why Each of us are invested in each other's journeys and part of each other's journeys in profound ways we can't even fathom. Um, We are really always like our soul essence is really always on what I call the other side. And so our experiences here are almost like this is the visual they've given me. Have you ever do you know what a a maypole is? No. Okay. so I learned this back in elementary school because we did this. It was like a pole in the ground. It, It dates back to like, you know old olden days let's just put it like that and there were strings coming off of it and kids would hold the strings and walk in a circle like singing songs sometimes to kind of celebrate you know i had that spring. with a tennis ball where there were tennis balls attached. yeah okay is that a maypole well no Maybe it will count for this like you'll that. totally understand it this is what they said they said all of our lives are really happening at the same time that time doesn't exist um it exists here on Earth, but it really doesn't exist in theory, you know. And scientists have kind of acknowledged this. They used to say we were three-dimensional beings and in the last 10 years. They're like, okay, actually, we're four-dimensional beings and time is the fourth dimension. The interesting thing, too, is that quantum physicists are doing some experiments when it comes to the relativity, relativity of time and, and how it affects things. Um, they watch how a beam of light passes through something. It has to pass as a wave or a beam or something like this. And, and depending on whether it chooses one in they do experiments around this right so what they've recently proven and i'm doing a terrible job i'm butchering this so anybody who's listening can google this after but what they've recently proven is that we all know the past affects the future but they have proven through watching this beam of light that the future affects the past which is really this mind-boggling fascinating concept but it also fits into my understanding of reincarnation which is we're all affecting each other at all different times and any any existence, any personality, any person we ever were, is all tied to our core essence on the other side. And so it's almost like we're Russian dolls within ourselves, but time is allowing us to experience it here in a certain way. Typically, soul groups will reincarnate together. And so we usually wait till all of us get over there, and we're usually on a shared soul mission of understanding and healing and growing within both our own families and the world outside of us. 
and then we choose to come back together. It's almost like in a cycle. You know, the University of Virginia has a lab that's doing some really interesting studies on past life recall, specifically in children, right? Because there's no way a child can make up anything, right? There's no hidden agenda for a child to try and talk about past life recall. And it's fascinating what they find. And it seems like um, if a soul comes back a little too quickly, they have past life recall. And I think that complicates their lifetime here because then they're looking for their old mom and their old family and so forth when we're meant to, okay, now embrace this. Or, you know, I, I think that there's a lot I don't understand about it, but from what they've taught me, we come back together to heal each other, to help each other grow. There has never been a time that I've read for someone and, you know, they've told me like, okay, I got to the other side, but the person I was looking for wasn't here. They had left already. That will never happen. The people we love, the essence of who they are, their personalities are always on the other side. So you're saying my mom could be on the other side while also being here, too. Yes, she could. She could. I don't have the sense that she is back here. Right. I don't either. Yeah. Okay. Well, this sounds like a good time to take a break. Okay. So anybody who wants to get therapy or anybody who's interested in therapy, it is available to you online. Anybody who is listening to this podcast is obviously interested in the subject matter. And if you don't have your own uh, therapist already, there is online counseling for you. It's called BetterHelp. It offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in all sorts of issues like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, grief, self-esteem, and more. Uh, You can get all of this online in a safe and private environment. Anything you share is confidential, and it's very convenient. So you can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. And if you're not happy with your counselor... You can request a new one at any time. That's right. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. And for Life Will Be the Death of Me listeners, you get a 10% off your first month with the discount code CHELSEA. So why not start today? Go. I'm going to. Okay, we'll go, Brandon. Betterhelp.com slash CHELSEA. Hey guys, it's Bobby Bones. I host The Bobby Bones Show, and I'm pretty much always sleepy because I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. A couple hours later, I get all my friends together, and we get into a room, and we do a radio show. We share our lives, we tell our stories, we try to find as much good in the world as we possibly can, and we look through the news of the day that you'll care about. Also, your favorite country artists are always stopping by to hang out and share their lives and music, too. So wake up with a bunch of my friends on 98.7 WMZQ in Washington, D.C., or wherever the road takes you on the iHeartRadio app. Something that is interesting, when I meditate, for a while anyway, when my book was coming out and I was really focused on spreading that message of, like, you know, getting yourself better and Mm -hmm. getting yourself over your hurdles and getting out the anger because the anger is only just hurt. And I would meditate every morning and I would like, you know, my brother and my mother would come and I would feel their like energy and light and I would envision myself holding hands with them. And I did this meditation for about three, two or three months when my book was launching and I would meditate with them and I would bring everybody in that circle that I wanted that needed healing that I knew in my life that needed help. And then I would go larger and, you know, outward and blah, 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 the whole world. And my father never his energy never comes near me. And he recently died about a year ago. And he, don't be, and he, his energy's never there. And I know my dad was a little bit, my mom was, I would say my mom was probably enlightened and my father was not. Yeah. 
You know, what I can tell you, it's interesting. First of all, I just want to comment on the fact that you've been meditating. That's huge. You know, prayer, when people pray, it's like we're directing thoughts to the other side, right? And when we meditate, we're listening back. And I think people don't understand that they can spend time with the people they love to have crossed through meditation. It's just a matter of opening your mind and opening your heart and doing that. And so that connection is very real and very healing. I also want to say that, you know, I actually listen to your book on Audible. I love listening to books, too, because there's a vibration in someone's voice. And I just I was laughing. I was crying. And I just I couldn't help but feel it was so incredibly brave of you. And one of the things that I have happened for me when I read for somebody, I can kind of tap into their energy. And I just saw how you were being used as such an incredible vehicle of light and healing in the world in ways that you would never be able to fully see and understand but it kind of took my breath away. And I could also feel your mom and brother being part of that. Like they're as much a part of that book as you are, as this team of light. Them from the other side, you hear bringing about this incredible healing in the world because all of our journeys are interconnected. And so through your journey, other people are learning about their own journeys. It's, it's really brave and beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So I love that you're meditating too because that's spending quality time with them. It's, it's not only spending quality time with them, but like I came from a real place of judgment, you know, mm-hmm. a real place of judging people who believed in all of this. And even though I was guilty of believing in it when it was convenient for me, mm-hmm. I wasn't a believer believer, you know, and I would like to think that I'm more of a believer than I ever have with less shame about it because I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks. Yeah. I care about what I think. Well, I, was, I think that's very brave to say that, too, you know. Uh, a big part of it for me, like as a psychic medium, I was hiding for years, like doing it in secret, you know, helping people like volunteering to help at grief retreats and things of that nature, because there is a little bit of a, a big part of stigma. You yeah. know, it's like a bullseye on your head. But when you own it as a truth, you realize it's so healing and beautiful that, you know, I'm at the point where, OK, some people might arrive at this and they might not be open to it. But I just hope that they'll question it and go on their journey, um, which is really what you did. And when you test it, when you try it, it works and it works in the most amazing ways. Like in real time, you will be directing your thoughts to someone you love on the other side, asking for something specific, and you will get it at the same time in like a way that you absolutely know is real. In the same way that you're saying you walked into the grocery store and there were these two oranges separate and you just knew. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. When you just know that to be your truth. It changes your reality. Yeah, because now it's become so second hat to me that yeah. like I literally can feel my brother's hand on my shoulder at times. I can uh-huh. hear him going laughing at something I say or I sometimes I look up and I just see my mom and my brother doing something silly for my childhood. Like it's totally at my disposal uh, almost all the time. And, yeah. you know, I don't want to take it for granted and I don't tap into it, you know, daily. But I know it's I know I have a space to go yeah. in case I need to go there. And that kind of, you know, that stillness Sitting with yourself in meditation teaches you that you are a part of a collective, that it's not just you. It's never been so just you. True. That we are all here together. And the important thing is to look around and do things for other people and to think about what when you're doing something, who are you doing it for? Is it just for you or is it for the collective? Is it for humanity? You know, and obviously not everybody's in a position to think to think that they can or in a position to make a you know, a huge impact, but I would argue every little impact is a huge impact. So So many people say, I don't have the platform. I don't have, you do, you're a human being. We all have the equal, you know, we all have the ability to do 
wonderful things. We really do. If you think of it like, you know, you are a candle, you have this light. You can light thousands of candles. You don't know how far your light's going to go. You know, you don't know how large your platform is going to become. And every act, every thought, every moment that we are making a choice here between fear and love matters. And everything boils down to that, a choice of either fear or love, fearing what we don't know, feeling, fearing that we're going to give up our power. Like, that's never the highest path. But trusting, loving, seeing our connections to other people is everything. I think so many times people get stuck here feeling isolated and alone, and the truth is none of us are alone. And what, can, you t- give us a, can you give us a story without mentioning any names? Or it can be one from the book or mm-hmm. one that, you know, that really stands out to you of recent, that you, a reading that you had where you were able to give somebody some solace about people who have crossed over? Um, yeah, sure. You know, I was just at um, a conference this past weekend at Omega, and it, I was working with scientists and uh, in- investigative journalists, which I love to do, right? Because I'm always coming at this like, okay, this is real. Let's hear what the scientists have to say. Let's do this. And, and part of it was that I was going to be doing what's called a gallery reading, which I typically don't do, but that's when I just open to the group and do readings, you know, for whoever I'm pulled to. And I always know the other side has a plan. You know, like the I was a teacher for almost 20 years, so the teacher in me is so uncomfortable with that because I'm used to going into, you know, a room with a lesson plan, three ways to teach it, and a backup plan. And so when I do gallery readings, I've got nothing. Like I have nothing until I open and then I trust the other side's going to come through. But they always do, and there are always lessons, you know, for everybody within that. And some really beautiful things happened, you know, just in that session alone. And I think there were lessons for the whole group, even though only a few people got read. You know, one of the things that happened was I was brought to a woman and her daughter. And her son had crossed through drug overdose. There was fentanyl in the drug he had taken. And so he brought that up and he he told me that he was part of a team of light on the other side. He showed me he was with other people other people his age on the other side and they were working through all of us here to try and bring about healing and and change um and he brought through a whole lot of other beautiful like information about how they were doing things in his name and they had just organized a walk and how he was part of that and all that and then i read a few other people and then the final person i read was another woman whose son came through and he had crossed the same way and he was actually with that boy like they were both together bringing this up in this room to help us here understand how interconnected we are, how we need to take a look at this, how we need to stop these overdoses with fentanyl and all of this. So it's really, that was quite moving just to see how the other side had orchestrated that. Yeah. And what would you say to people who have lost people to violence or lost people to an epidemic like that? Because that's something that we could have avoided, you know, gun violence, a kid in a school at Sandy Hook, a little kid getting shot. How are people supposed to reconcile that kind of pain? Yeah, you know, I, I think like being in the here and now, um, what we're really talking about is suffering and loss, right? How do we make sense of that? How can that mean anything when a child gets shot in a school? I can only tell you what I've learned when I've connected with children on the other side who were killed by gun violence and so forth. And what they tell me is, number one, they don't want us to live in anger and bitterness. They don't want um, revenge, but they do want to help us bring about change. And so they work with us as a team of light to help heal and shift and change the world. 
And I think we do need to address that as a society. You know, we're growing and shifting and changing together. And I think it comes back to that fundamental question of fear versus love. Like We're not looking at the equation right. We're fearful that our guns are going to be taken away. We're fearful of losing that quote unquote form of power. And yet we're failing to see that true power is our ability to heal each other, connect with each other, love each other, be kind, be thoughtful. And so what we're really having, I think, in a really big way as humanity, we're having this really massive conversation about what true power is. And I think, you know, children who have crossed through violence, people who have crossed through murder are always invested in helping their loved ones here heal and also find their highest path. And when we do things in their name to bring about change, that's the most powerful thing that there is. You know, I, I've come to understand, too, that there there seems to be some very evolved souls who have come here on a mission knowing that there was a, a possibility should certain individuals make a certain choice in their life that they could be forced through what's called like an earlier doorway through murder, through violence, through being shot and so forth. But their soul was so evolved that they said, okay, I'll come here on this mission of love. And if that happens, I'm still going to try and help heal and, and bring love through. So, you know, that phrase that love always wins, it really is true. Well, I mean, do you think that people are set? Like, do you do you believe people uh, like their their lives are set before them or that they create their their future? Like, is that done? Is this person coming into the world knowing they're going to lose their life to gun violence? That's such a great question. So it's really like our are, are exit points predestined. So this is what I've learned. And it was both like unsettling and, and healing to hear this at the same time. Um, from what the other side has told me, we all have different what I'm going to call doorways to death, different times we can exit. You know, the goal is to get to the last one always, you know, hopefully, you know, but a lot of times us getting to our last doorway is dependent on other people's free will choices while they're here. For an example, let's say you come here and there's a certain doorway that exists that if this other person who you've never met in your life, but if that other person goes to a bar and drinks and then drives, you are going to be forced through a different, an earlier doorway. Then if that individual makes a different choice, doesn't do that, you're going to get to stay and the universe kind of rearranges and I, I think we have some choice in that, and sometimes we don't, because sometimes someone's final doorway is very early in life. You know, I've had situations, and when I read, I can see what I call points of light on the other side, which or is— Or maybe it's their final door, or maybe it's yeah, their first, it, but maybe it it's their earliest be. doorway, if a, like if a four-year-old dies. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is like they have contracts somehow to come here and play a really powerful role in the world. And for some people, believe it or not, like— some souls aren't even meant to be actually born. They're just meant to be a pregnancy, whether it's to feel a parent's unconditional love or to be a point of growth in that person's life. It's kind of like there's no harm, no foul. It's all about love. Mm -hmm. So it really depends. Some people come here on a mission where their time here is not meant to be long. Some come on a mission where there's a number of different doorways that they could go through. And some come and they're just they're here for the long haul, I think. You know, we're all different souls on different levels having this collective experience and our actions impact each other. Our thoughts impact each other. We're all intertangled in, in ways we can't fathom. And what's an experience where you've seen, where you've done a reading and saw a tremendous amount of healing? Take place for the people here? Yeah. You know, I, I think that it's situations, a lot of times it has to do with children who have crossed, whose parents are left, you know, here just, you know, completely bereaved and frozen. 
And I watch how those children on the other side have worked really hard to send their parents signs and messages to help them shift and grow. One of the earliest chapters in the book talks about a little boy uh, named Caleb who crossed during he was having oral, oral surgery done and his heart stopped and he ended up crossing. And his parents were just left completely in grief. But he very shortly after started sending them signs. He sent them the number 1111. And then he would show them certain like cloud contrails. And he was coming through in all these different ways. And when I did the reading for his parents, you know, he talked to me about being a team of light and that they were going to work together to pass legislation to help save other children. And that was already happening. And that has come to pass, um, you know, it, it, in this really beautiful way to make sure that when children are having are being put under anesthesia, there has to be someone else there. So really, it was a really amazing thing to watch his parents work with him, even though he's on the other side, they're here to bring about healing in this world and positive change in this world to help protect and save others from tragedy. Because, again, it's just showing how invested we all are in each other's journeys and how that little boy, Caleb, on the other side now has such a tremendous impact on this physical world that we're in right now, bringing light, bringing healing, bringing love. I mean, I have so many um, times I've done readings where I've seen that happening. It's really, I call it like this team of light between loved ones on the other side and people here. And whenever we do anything in a loved one's name, like they're with us. They're part of that. It's it's quite beautiful. Yeah, that the idea that you can bring them with you. Is, is that yeah. you can live your life with their energy still with you is powerful yeah. and comforting. Yeah. I remember you talk a lot about losing your psychic abilities at the age of seven. That a lot of, a lot of people do. Yeah. Yes. So what's that about? Yeah. So it's really interesting. You know, I think that for number one, we're all, we're all born here connected to each other and connected to the place we came from, connected to the other side. We're hardwired, right? You cannot break those connections if, if you tried. And when we're children, we're using all different parts of our brain, right? We, even before we have language, we're reading energy. We absolutely are. And so we're navigating our world using our intuitive abilities, using our psychic abilities, understanding those connections. But what I have found happens, and this is true with children with past life recall too, not only children with you know, psychic and intuitive abilities, is those abilities start to shut down and become silenced between age five and age seven. And so I thought about the why of that. I'm always questioning the why and the science behind it. And what I came to understand, and you know, I'm always listening to the other side to give me tips too, and what I came to understand is that that's when formal schooling starts. So between kindergarten and second grade, we retrain our brains. You know, I work with scientists who have done EEGs of my brain when I'm in normal speaking mode like I am right now, and then when I go into reading mode. And for the normal speaking mode, my brain looks like most other people's. All the brainwave activity is in the frontal lobe. You know, the brainwave activity is off the charts there. And the, the frontal lobe is in charge of critical thinking, analytical thinking, language skills, math skills, like day-to-day stuff we need to navigate our world. The only time anybody's normal brain goes offline like that is at night. And that's why people will have dream visitation by loved ones at night, precognitive dreams, like dreams that are symbolic in nature that guide them, et cetera. But for the most part, kids stay stuck in that frontal lobe once they start school. They get trained there and they never leave it unless they go to sleep. And so I think that's why kids are born intuitive. They're born connected. You'll hear kids talking about recognizing um, relatives from pictures who they never met, who had crossed before they they you know arrived here. Yeah, my nephew Jakey mm-hmm. was uh, two years old. He never met my brother Chet. He was our first 
grandson in the family, my sister Simone's son, who's now 22. And he came into our house in New Jersey. My brother used to drive this old orange scout. And when he died, my dad parked it in the back of the property in the woods and, you know, never wanted to look at it again because it was too painful a memory for my father. And Jakey had never seen that truck. And he came into the backyard and we were in New Jersey. And I remember him running in from outside and my mom was sitting on the sofa in her living room. And he said, and she go, and I was playing with him, and he was, you know, just two, so he was just mm-hmm. speaking, not not well, right? <laughs> but he was speaking a little, and and we said, "What did you do outside?" Or my mom said, "Where were you?" And he said, "I was with Chet," <gasps> which would be fine because we always talked about Chet to my to my right. nephew, or my mom did anyway. And she said, "Oh yeah, where where was he?" And he said, "He came to pick me up in the orange truck, and we went for a ride." And I was sitting there, and my mom and I just burst into tears. I would have. And, you know, he had never seen that car or a picture of that car. You know, he was too young. So it was, that was an example of, you know, I believe in children being so unbesmirched, you know, before they get into school and Mm -hmm. we program their brains to say, this is what you have to think. This is pragmatism. This is reality. This is our, you know, this is here and now. There is much more fantasy that comes into our mind before we get deprogrammed from it. Right. Essentially. We're, we're connecting in different ways. You know, we're using different parts of our brain, too. So when they mind map me and I go out of my frontal lobe, different parts of my brain light up. And those are the parts that kids, before they start formal schooling, all of us before we started formal schooling, were using. Here's the thing. You can retrain your brain. And so what scientists have said to me is there seems to be a switch that I know where it is and how to turn it on and off and open to that and shut down the frontal part of my brain. Because when I go into psychic mediumship mode, it looks like I'm not conscious, like the brainwave activity silences in my frontal lobe. So I think we can just all learn to reopen. And I've seen this happen. I do workshops where I help people just, number one, understand that we're all energy, feel their own energy, and then start opening to it and start opening to their psychic and intuitive abilities. I call them the four clairs that we come come here with. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the four clairs. Yeah. Okay. So we all have these tools. And so this is just words to describe what they are. We have clairvoyance, which means clear seeing, which is the one that I was talking about like when we dream at night and we are seeing vividly, but our physical eyes are closed. None of us talk about how bizarre that is. Like, We have full vision, but we're not using our physical eyes. So that's that third eye that other cultures talk about. That's our psychic vision. When we leave our physical bodies to, that's the sight we have. And it doesn't just go in one direction at one time. We can kind of zoom in. We can zoom out. We can be in more than one place at one time. We can see in, you know, different spectrums. A lot of people who have had near-death experiences, otherwise, you know, called NDEs, will talk about seeing in like ultraviolet kind of spectrum, seeing colors they'd never seen before. So that's one of our abilities. We have clear audience, which means clear hearing. And that's when you hear a thought, but it's not yours. And something scary telling you to do anything bad. But a lot of times our loved ones will connect with us that way. We'll hear their voice. We'll hear them say yeah. something. I hear my mom's voice yeah. when I ski all the time. Slow yeah. down, slow down. And it, with her yeah. German accent. Exactly. I love that. Yes, I hear it. And I can't say it. I can't speak in the way my mom spoke. Right. Because it was very nuanced and unique. Mm-hmm. And she was soft-spoken. But I I can hear her voice. Yeah. And it's learning to trust that rather than reject it, right? Because the monkey mind, that, mind, that frontal, I was like, oh, reject that experience. That's not tangible. And that doesn't fit my paradigm. So once we start embracing those moments of connection, we're basically like a flower opening up, like they'll happen more and more. So I love that you've already had that experience and that you're honoring it. And then there's claircognizance, which we all have. 
And that is clear knowing. And it's when you get the sudden download of information that you just know something in every ounce of your being. Your gut. Yeah. Well, sort of. Yes, it can. It can kind of land there. But it's like in every cell of your being, you know something, but there's no logical way you could explain how you know it. And when we don't trust that, when we go against that claircognizant knowing, we're always on a bad path, right? So that's always guiding us. The one you're talking about with your gut, that's called clairsentience. And that means clear feeling. All of us read energy like you are way advanced because you're already acknowledging that we're energy. And that's the only truth of our existence, right? So when we meet people, we don't just meet them in the 3D. We meet them energetically. And the place that we're reading that from is our gut. It's right around our belly button, right around that area. And so you can start, the more you tune into it, you're recognizing and you'll feel like, oh, that's where I'm feeling that energy. And that's why people talk about having gut level feelings on things, you know, that's what they're identifying, whether or not they realize it. And being open clairsentiently, I think is so important because when you talk about how interconnected we all are and how, you know, kindness and forgiveness, that needs to be our currency. When you really open to that, you start feeling that there. It's just the most beautiful layered experience. You know, you want to do a quick, really quick experience. If you're ever driving in traffic and somebody wants to go in front of you, instead of being like, no, 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 I got to get there first. Wave them in and then just take a moment to feel what that felt like. You can feel the energy exchange. No language is exchanged, you know, but you can feel that. When you do something kind for someone or you're acting from a place of like kindness, love and forgiveness, you will feel that. And conversely, when you act like a fucking cunt, uh-huh. you feel that too. <laughs> and we all experience that, yeah, you know, you we do that. If you yell at somebody in traffic, yeah. you feel like an idiot after. Yeah. Sometimes you can't stop yourself, right? But it's that moment of reflection that's important. Like sometimes we're very reactive. And I think we're programmed here in this world in a very materialistic way. And we have to get ahead of people and you don't let people in and you have to be guarded. And sometimes we totally act like total jerks, right? And catching yourself in that moment and recognizing what that felt like, that's a huge growth experience. Yeah, and because that's the difference between my psychiatrist, Dan, who I speak about Mm -hmm. all uh, in my book, uh, told me, you know, explained to me the difference between reaction and a response. Yeah. You know, me being reactive, if somebody says fuck you to me, I say fuck you back as a reaction. It's actually really volleying energy. You're just like throwing Throwing it right back back Mm because it's defensive. Instead of me going... You saying, fuck you, and I going, whoa, 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 what did I what did I do or what happened? Are you all right? Or mm-hmm. um, what did I do something to upset you? That's a that's a response. It's yeah. the space of awareness that that he taught to me that I found to be such a useful tool. That's everything actually. To actually stop, listen to what you're hearing, and don't respond in kind. Respond from a kind sp- space. Don't respond in the way the person, you know, talked to you. You don't have to match everybody's energy. You can be still and use your own energy to guide the situation. And just by being calm in that situation, it diffuses it. Yeah, you're really being an energy alchemist there, right? Because you're taking this negative energy that's been thrown at you. You're holding it for a moment. You're diffusing it. And then you're responding with kindness. You've changed the entire energy cycle. And the thing is, a lot of us volley negative energy to each other. Somebody says F you to one person, they, you say it next to the next, then somebody else gives somebody else the finger. It's like this ongoing continuum of negative energy being thrown. So to be able to find that space to recognize, wait a minute, this isn't about me, but I did just receive this energy. What am I going to do with it? We can transform it. We can release it. You know, I teach my kids like to release it. Like if somebody throws that at you, release it up and out of your head and let it like implode into space and harm nobody Um, just so that they can get an understanding what that feels like. So you can try that, too. But to be kind back is everything.
Yeah, and not to be condescending. Yeah, just to I be mean calm. that is that's huge. That's to, like really advanced soul growth work there. Well, I mean, I'm not doing it all the time, but I mean, my work here is to be non-reactive to everything, to not match anyone's energy, and which is amazing. very hard to do because I get into it a lot of heated conversations. And, you know, that's my default. That's the way I grew up. And that's how I made a living and how I became successful was by telling everybody to go fuck themselves. <laughs> so to undo that has been really challenging, but it's been great work because I just feel the, you know, anybody who doesn't believe in energy then doesn't believe in a bad mood. Like that's yeah, energy. Right. That's absolutely. like if I come in smiling and I'm pissed, you're going to know that I'm pissed and faking it. So you know, true. you're not putting on a, an act for anybody, no matter what kind of actress you think you are, mm -hmm. uh, because energy is everything. And if you have good vibrations, you have them. And if you don't, then you don't. But it doesn't mean you can't get them. So it true. just means you're in a bad spot or you've lost your way because people are inherently good people. You know, people Agreed. just get lost, I think. So talk to me about how you first knew that you had this gift. Yeah. So, you know, as a kid, I I. I would see people in colors. I would feel what they were feeling. But I just thought that's how the world operated. I was like, yeah, that's what everybody experiences. And then, you know, when I was 11, I had this moment, this claircognizant absolute moment of knowing that my grandfather, who I called Pop-Pop, who I was so close with, he was such a focal point of my childhood and my heart and my life, I knew he was going to die. And I went and I, I spent the day with him. And that was the last time I ever saw him alive was diagnosed with leukemia and passed very quickly and I, I never got to see him again um and I remember feeling really like you know cursed like there was something very very wrong with me like feeling very different and you know I've always been blessed with having the most amazing mom and and being able to go to her with anything so it didn't take me long to kind of go to her and confess and say like mom I think that I'm dark and haunted and cursed I think something's really wrong with me because I knew pop-up was going to die and that's why I went and spent that day with him you know, and she sat me down and she said, Laura, you know what? No part of you is dark or broken or cursed. You just have another ability to understand things. And, you know, then she confessed that it had run in on her side of the family for generations. And then I felt less alone, but I felt like maybe I was part of some club I didn't know that I wanted membership in. But I think what the great gift she gave me was to have permission to explore it. Because in her family, it was like, you would know people were going to die or you'd have a dream that somebody was dying as they were dying and then you would just share it but never talk about it again and never examine it. And she really helped me to understand that it was an ability I had to perceive energy and it was really all about love. And it would still take me decades to come to terms with that and fully own it, right, because I, I didn't want people to know I could do this and it was, you know, I, I had to figure out where it was going to land in my life and how I would use it. But um. It's it's definitely in retrospect what I realized about that knowing, that moment of knowing he was going to cross, was that was a great gift. Because because of that, I had one more day in the physical to spend with him. And we had the best day. Like, we left. We we were just together. It was fantastic. And, and so I think, like, these abilities we all have to sense energy, to feel connections to people, to – and I feel like even grief. Like, that's our soul feeling that other person's soul somewhere else now. So not – physically both us, but we can still feel them with us. And I think honoring that is everything. You so know? what about, yeah, but back, okay, so back to my father, whose mm -hmm. soul I don't feel. Yeah. What, what, what do you have, what do you think's going on with him right now? Well, if you want me to glimpse, I can tell you that this, there's like a big joke between like him and your mom and brother on there. And he's like busy in what I would, cars, selling cars. No, it's like a school, like 
where we're trying, like, let's say there's a class clown that you're trying to get to understand, like, no, but when you did this, you need to see how you affected the other people. It's like I'm trying to wrestle your dad's energy down so that he'll, like, really seriously do his full life review. I feel like he's taken a really long time with his life review. Not in a bad way. It's just there's a lot of people he influenced and affected that he's trying to take in and understand. It's not that he's not present. It's just that he's a little busy doing that. He's a little focused on that. <laughs> but do you think that there are different, since our souls can be, you know, like, you know, my dad did a lot of things, a lot of amazing things, mm-hmm. but he did a lot of things that I'm sure, you know, he wasn't that proud of mm-hmm. or that he regrets. Do you, So do you think that there needs to be some cleanup for a person like that when they die? That's a good term for it. So what I've learned and what they've shared with me is that we all have a life review. And it happens like, you know, time doesn't really exist there, so it's hard to explain. But it does, like, in a language we can understand, it takes some people more time, so to speak, to process than others. And we all need to— I think we're talking about men. Yeah. (laughs) We all—I think we are. Uh, I think we all need to take responsibility to the fact of understanding how we influence and affected others. And we always want to own that and fully appreciate it. And I think like that's what your dad's working on. I call it almost like a little bit of a school there where he's taking his time with it. You know, he's yeah, enjoying he's like, doing sure other, he's, he's taking loving, a lot of breaks. Socializing is yeah, what he's doing. Yeah. That's his favorite but thing. I don't get him as unhappy or stunted at all. I think, you know, his soul had an agreement to come here and play a certain role and be quote unquote limited in a certain way is how I'm gonna say it, so that the people around him could have to struggle a little bit to grow and understand him and play their roles. But and by people, him? I mean your family in yeah, particular. Yeah, I get who you're talking yeah. about. But what about his growth as a, a human being? He's Why in did- a different, like, so the other side has different, like, it's almost like an apartment building of energy. So, like, I know viewers can't, you know, listeners can't see this, but, like, he's a little bit to the my lower right and your mom and brother are, like, a little bit to my upper right. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, like, he's busy, like, in that classroom. Like, so if this were a high school, right, and your mom and brother already are, like, graduated and now, like, helping teach classes, your dad's maybe in, like, 10th grade. You know, he's working his way through it. Okay. But what he's a, understanding it. Can I ask you about some other people in my life? Sure. Is that okay to do now? Totally. Great. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hi. I'm Baratunde Thurston. I'm a writer, activist, and comedian. I wrote a book called How to Be Black, gave a TED Talk about white people calling the cops on black people for no good reason, and I feel like we're having a moment in the U.S. right now. You probably feel it, too. When Officer Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd, something in America broke. Where this moment goes, we can't say yet, but right now, something big is happening involving race, and in particular, policing. So, I'm gonna try to explain it. From the COVID connection to who's allowed to protest, to what defund the police actually means. When Mitt Romney, the man who tried to keep Barack Obama's second term away from us, joins a Black Lives Matter march, when NASCAR bans the Confederate flag, when Donald Trump, of all people, encourages cops not to choke people, we're having a moment. You can listen to We're Having a Moment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. What about my cousin Eddie and my uncle Terry? First of all, I feel like like this is my sense of Eddie. Like there's two sides to his personality. Like there's this fun, like loving side, but also this really gentle understanding side. And I feel like his journey here, especially like if you look at the how I'm going to say the ending of it is how he's giving it to me, like the ending wouldn't make sense. Like it's unfinished is how I want to say it. 
but he needs to let you know like it completely is finished. This was his mission. He needs you to know it was his final doorway. That's what I want to say. Did Terry cross before he did? No. Huh. I get Terry like in the background and Eddie more in the forefront. And my other way to interpret that would be like Eddie is working with you. Like he's signed up. He wants to help you. He's like with you daily. He's trying to come through. And Terry's more like, oh, okay, I'm going to yeah, watch Terry's over with this. my dad. Yeah, they're like over, like that's where I'm seeing him toward like that background Yeah, because side. it's my mom's, my mom and her two sisters and they all married three guys, like mm-hmm. my father, like my uncle. So I'm <laughs> sure those three and they all died, all three guys, all th- my father and my two uncles from that side all died within a year of each other. Wow. Who was the big smoker? Terry. Okay, because I'm just getting like cigarette smoke in my face and all this. And it's funny because a lot of times people on the other side will make me give anti-smoking lectures about like how bad cigarettes are and how bad. But he's like, still smoking. he's like, I don't care. He had I'm lung still smoking. He yeah. Like he's laughing about like, this is the joke with him. He's like, he needs to let you know, like he's still smoking over there. Mm-hmm. Like, and he's happy him. as you can imagine doing that. So it's like, he's, he's kind of funny. He's not using it as much as a teaching opportunity as, as more like a celebration of cigarettes for himself yeah, on the other side. Yeah, forever yeah, without lung like cancer. That's what I'm seeing constantly Perfect. for him. Well, I hope you're happy, Terry. <laughs> but so for my cousins, I have a cousins who lost a brother. Mm-hmm. That's Eddie. Mm-hmm. Is there something that I can tell them about Eddie? I know you're saying he's- Are there written- three people here that he's got like three cousins for you that he's connected to? Because he's talking about trying to come through to like three people of his generation here. There are more. There's like, yeah. Probably. Are there three girls? Yeah. Okay. Because like this is what I'm seeing. Um, there's something like uh, he's making a joke about the color pink and I'm seeing a flamingo. So I know this sounds crazy, but I would say they should be on the lookout for, which is, I don't feel like something he would normally do, like, but like a pink flamingo as a sign for him with some word on it. Like okay. a lot of times this will come through. It won't have happened yet. So this would be just say to them, like, be on the lookout for that. There's a joke in it. Like he's got a little bit of a, like a joking personality with this. So I don't know what word is going to be like accompanying this pink flamingo. I don't know if it's going to be like a plastic pink flamingo or like one they see like in a picture. I don't know what it or an actual one crossing their path. But I'm supposed to talk about that. And I'm supposed to talk about that. One of them really not being open to this. Yeah. Is well, there like a C name? Like a like a uh, Colleen, Catherine. Like it's Carrie. A, yeah. Okay. There's like, a Carrie. Is she not as open to this? I think the girls are all open to it as as much. I mean, as open as they've ever been okay. because of this pain, or, or maybe skeptical. Like because he's really going to prove to her like right away. And I don't know if she already had a dream visitation from him, but I feel like oh, I'm I'm going to show. I'm going to make sure she knows. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. And and then his then my aunt, his mother. Gabby, who, you know, has been through a very he's really, difficult... He's really proud of her. She's holding, like, what I'm going to say is triple grief somehow. So there have been, like, either three losses or three difficult things for her. Um, and she's going through something difficult right now, too. He's showing me, like, watching over, trying to help with. If we looked at her kind of life journey and path, it seems disproportionately unfair, is how I want to say it. This is how he's giving... Like, she's going through a lot, or this is really hard. But she carries her like chin high and he's very proud of how she is navigating her grief and doing this in the world. And he hears her when she talks to him, but to let her know she doesn't just have to talk to him like when she's in the shower or driving like he she can talk to him at any time. It's almost like she's trying to find these little spaces. And no, he's with her at all the time. He did something with light for her. Like, I don't know if there was like this big beam of light, but it's something dramatic he's talking about. 
Okay. So ask her about that. Yeah. Would it be a rainbow? Yeah. That would make perfect sense to me. I don't want to be like trite and say that, but that's how I'm seeing it come like light come down like that. So are the signs all kind of corny? Are they all like pink flamingos, rainbows and oranges? Well, I think he's like having fun with us right now, like because it's like so like feminine in a sense. Do you know he's making a little joke about that? Definitely. But I feel like now we should ask him to send like a tank, like a camo tank, and he'll do that, too. But I think that, you know, a lot of times, you know, people who are more in tune and in touch with what I'm going to say is their feminine side or what we're encouraged as women to be like open and healing and receptive where men are sometimes taught to like shut down those emotions and not feel those things. I think it's it's interesting that a lot of the signs do feel feminine in nature, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but they don't have to be limited to that. I think rainbows are really um, easy for them because it's all a refraction of light. Right. So, like, that's a really good one for them to send and a really kind of simple one for them to send. They're good at it, in other words. I see. Yeah. That makes sense. But she can ask for other things. And do you feel that – so when somebody – okay, so some if you, when you say souls travel together, obviously you can't – you know, there are a lot of people in your life that are soulmates, you feel like. You know, mm-hmm. there are friendships, there are relatives, there are spouses and children. So we can't always, you know, if, if, if what you're saying happens to be the reality that we cross over, we kind of wait for our energy groups. Mm-hmm. How uh, you can't wait for everybody because mm-hmm. not everybody's part of the same group. You have right. all your little kind of offshoot groups, you know. Mm-hmm. There are friends of mine that I would think I, I consider to be, you know, soulmates. Yes. And then there's my family. Mm-hmm. And so who gets, you know, like how does that all work? Well, I think there's soul recognition that goes on. And I think a lot of times we're born into families where like sometimes I'll read for someone and I'll see like they've been born into what I call like a purple family where they came in as a very evolved soul. But they're usually one or more parents maybe aren't as evolved. And so like the person who's born here evolved is a point of love and light for the rest of the family members to grow their soul against. And yet a lot of their soulmates, so to speak, will be non-family members. What the beautiful thing that happens when we're open and aware and we feel energy and we honor it is those souls who maybe aren't genetically part of our family groups this lifetime will be brought into our paths. And the greatest thing is when we recognize that. So we can create and form families of energy in a very healthy, beautiful way, whereas maybe the family we're born into, there's always a, a dynamic and you know complicated relationships. So I think that different lifetimes we play different roles have you ever read the book many lives many masters oh god i was just about to bring that up yes i have right so i mean that explains it way better than i can yeah, that's it's a great book for dr brian Weiss. that's my number one recommendation of of books it's just phenomenal but it, it helps you understand how interconnected we are and how we can play a certain role in each other's lives one lifetime and then a very different one in, a, in another but i do believe like i was saying too like okay well if we're all waiting for our soul group to get there won't there always be like the grandchild or the great-grandchild who doesn't make it and yes but we'll we all are more interconnected with more soul groups than we can fathom okay well that's good to know and it's uh, again comforting and so there's really no harm that could come from actually Thinking about these things and believing in these things, whether people believe you or not, there's you're not hurting anybody yeah, at it's, all. It's, it's very healing and comforting. But I think some people think like, well, it sounds too much, you know, too good to be true. It sounds like, you know, a fairy tale or a fantasy. And the truth is like, yeah, it does sound pretty great, but that doesn't discredit it. It doesn't mean it's not our truth. You know, the truth is that none of us, you know, None of our consciousness dies, and we're all in this collective lesson of love. Like, that is a beautiful truth 
Because I think it changes how we live here when we know that to be our truth and we honor it. And the way to honor that is to test it, right? Ask for signs, ask for messages, trust in the process. Yeah, to ask for signs. And just to, the, the energy shift, like for instance, personally speaking, the energy shift that I've had in terms mm-hmm. of quieting myself and calming down and taking my time and not being reactive and believing in my brother being around me and my mother being around me has drawn so many things into my life. Like it is proof positive that happiness begets much more happiness and more like the so act true. of happiness, the act of gratitude, which is a word that still makes my vagina tighten. <laughs> it leads to all these little gifts in your life and people show up and books show up and opportunities arise yeah. and you're like, oh, my God, is this really And it's like flowing with the universe instead of resisting the things that you don't like, accepting. It's so true. I love that you're saying that, too, about gratitude. You know, it's it's like if you shift your energy, you shift your life and all different doors open up. And so love and gratitude, those are some of the highest feelings we can have here. Love, gratitude, forgiveness. And there have been studies done on actual pessimists where they have them write just a very brief gratitude list each morning for 21 consecutive days because once we do something for 21 days it becomes a habit and it changes pessimism three but it has to be consecutive right but look you're good you don't need to worry you're already in that i call it being in the flow of light exactly what you're describing is being in the flow of light of the universe it's where you're finding your highest path you've opened your mind and your heart you're recognizing your interconnectedness to both people here and on the other side. And you are really, what you're doing is surrendering your own kind of life to be a vehicle of light and healing for other people. And then the other side works through you. You know, I do believe in God. I believe in God as this force of love that is in all of us and interconnects all of us and is healing. And I think like that's what I also mean when I talk about being in the flow of light. It's like being in that interconnected state, being willing to be a vehicle of light and healing, doing all of that. And when you're in that flow, you can feel it. So, yeah, gratitude is huge. And the flow state, like I, yeah. I felt that when I wrote my last book, it, it was like vomiting out of me. And it was in the sense of such a release. It was relief, but it was also like, oh, this is the first thing I'm putting into the world that is as authentic as yeah. possible. And then the re- and, and it just flowed out and then it flowed into the world and it did everything and has continuing to do any more than I could ever dream of. And I didn't put any thought into it. Yeah. It you, just came to me. Would you say it like came through you? Yeah. You almost feel like I would that? say that. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't say that because I'm me, but <laughs> I would say as close <laughs> to you can as it flowed through me, it definitely felt like a vomit. Yeah. And it felt like once I got that out and once I did the work, I I did feel like a different person. I just felt like now I feel like nothing matters. It doesn't matter if I die tomorrow, if I live till I'm 100. I mean, I'd rather not live till I'm 100, but, you know, I feel like that might happen just because of my luck. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think you might be right. And uh, (laughs) and, uh, but it is such a nicer place to live, to be to, you know, to to sit and listen to the energy and to. And to feel yourself and to be present in every moment, that has been a huge gift. And the things line up for you in that way. And I've heard so many testimonies about that. And yeah. I've read all the, you know, when I read Many Lives, Many Masters, it was, I found that book yeah. in a seat pocket on a plane after I had just gotten into a Amazing. huge fight with somebody the night before in New York City about reincarnation and how stupid I thought that they were. Oh my God, that's amazing. And I, I love that the universe the next that. day and I was like, oh God, uh-huh. Many Lives. And I read it from start to finish on my plane back to LA. And I was like, 
telling cut to uh-huh. I'd be the yeah. worst juror because I just switch <laughs> sides all day long. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, everybody needs to read this fucking book. Yeah, but uh, it's a great book to read, and you're a great book. The signs, the secret language of the universe. How can people get this? Can they get this on? At local bookstores? Is it out? It, out? Yeah, Do you have to order out. from you? It's, it's on Amazon. Oh, it's, it's at on Barnes Amazon. and Nobles. It's on lo- at local bookstores. Okay. I'll, I feel like that book will find them. You yeah, know? this book will find yeah. you. But it's such a nice read. And it's so nice to hear personal stories about people who've experienced what we're talking about because it, it helps you make sense of it all. Let's talk about your doubt. Do you mm-hmm. ever doubt your ability? Do you ever doubt what you believe to be true? Um, you know... Embracing my abilities definitely was a struggle. And there have been times I just wanted to reject it all. And for me, like the way it started, I would know a lot of negative things that were going to happen in the world, you know, and I thought, like, why do I need to know this? How is this helpful? But I really needed to push through that negative to get to the healing and the beauty and the interconnectedness and the love. So that was part of my journey. Do I doubt it now? No, I can't. I mean, it's one thing for somebody to maybe watch a psychic medium and think, well, maybe they're doing what's called a hot reading or a cold reading. A hot reading would be where like I have advanced information and I'm just pretending I don't. A cold reading is that I'm just so in tune with somebody's body language or their voice that I can kind of sense when I'm getting things right or wrong, right? So, you know, I've worked with scientists where there's just no, I know I'm not doing hot reading and I don't think I'm doing cold reading, right? Some part of my journey has been to go to a psychiatrist to admit like I hear voices, this is what they're telling me and am I crazy? And I was blessed to have this amazing psychiatrist who was like, well, what are the voices telling you? And I'm like, well, it's a person's grandmother telling me that she's so happy this new baby just arrived in the family and, you know, happy birth. And he's like, well, that's beautiful. And the world is more magnificent and and complex than we know. So carry on. You know, I went to then scientists to make sure that I would participate in like a quintuple blinded study, which meant there was no way that the researcher could cue me as as to the information I was bringing through was right or wrong because they had no clue. So that eliminated cold reading. And I think it's really important to do that because I think the fact that this is real has really powerful implications for humanity, not just for me and my life. You know, so. It has gotten rid of any doubt that I had in terms of, is this real? Is this not real? Where am I getting this information from? You know, when I read psychically, I get this kind of widescreen TV that goes on my mind. All my psychic information comes on the left and mediumship comes on the right. And it's a very different feeling for me. So when I read psychically, I'm reaching and I'm looking for information. And mediumship is just I sit back and these energies, these points of light come to me and just give me information and their personalities are there. And it's like, it's this wonderful experience because I get to meet all new people. You know, I've had situations where I'll be talking to someone and I'll be like, oh yeah, I know that person. And I realize, well, I didn't get to know that person until after they crossed, but I know that person. We're friends now, you know, is that sort of odd experience for me. But it has really expelled all doubt in my mind about existence of consciousness after bodily death. It's it's changed how my life journey has gone. It's changed like little things that happen day to day in my own life that might be an annoyance. I can often see the bigger picture or what's really going on. It changed my own grief journey when my father crossed. You know, he's like a way better communicator now than he was when he was here. And I watched how it changed my whole family. Like we were, you know, texting every day like this is what dad just sent me. He sent you that at the same time. Like it was it was really amazing. So I don't have any doubt in it anymore. I don't have any doubt in my ability to connect with that. But here's the thing. What I know to be true is that we all have these abilities. And what I know is that anyone who wants to explore them and wants to open will have experiences. Nobody ever, ever needs to go to a psychic medium to get connected or get their answers. We can do this for ourselves. And that's, I think, what I would want everybody to know is to trust themselves. Try to challenge the doubt they have within themselves 
don't believe me, go test it for yourselves. Yeah. Go that, explore it. Because being open-minded, I mean, being closed-minded prevents you from seeing these things. Yeah, it You're not you open so, to so it. much. So there's no harm in being open to it because there's all sorts of magic happening. It really, that is the word I would use. It becomes so magical. But I have a bigger beef with you because you also told me during my reading that Bob Mueller was going to be the end of Donald Trump. Something along the lines, those lines. Mm -hmm. I asked you specifically about my boyfriend, Bob Mueller. <laughs> And you told me it was going to be great when his investigation was done. So explain that. You know, I think that there is a lot. So when I read, I read energy. And if I said that, I'm going to stand by that. A lot of times, too, I get what's called psychic amnesia. So I'll bring things through and then I won't remember much of what I said. But I How do convenient. Yeah, that is convenient, right? It sounds like a cop out. But what I am going to say is that there is a lot. When we talk about free will choice, we talk about other people's energies affecting discourse, dynamic, the way things goes. I think that there has been more buried than we can possibly fathom. And I don't fully understand all the reasons, but I feel like sometimes the truth would be a little bit too much for people to own and deal with. Like, what if, just what if, the actual outcome of the election really wasn't what it seemed to be? What do we do if we bring that truth out? How can we undo, like that would just put us into chaos. So sometimes I think things need to play out a certain way. What I do know is that even though it might seem like we're in terribly dark times, right, with people really arguing with each other and hating each other and being on such opposite sides, I think we're in a tremendous time of growth. And I think that even though it seems dark, it's incredibly light-filled. People are being called into action. We're being questioned. People are being asked to examine basically what they're afraid of. Like, why are we afraid of losing power? Why are we afraid of losing guns? Why are we afraid of letting people here into the country? Like, what is it we're afraid of? We need to examine that collectively together. To me, I actually do feel like that has, like, that's, it hasn't been remedied, but it's being addressed in a way that still needs maybe a little more time. Mm -hmm. And I think that there have been things that at the last minute somebody said, no, we can't release this. No, I'm not going to step up and do that mm. for maybe reasons we don't fully understand. Right. You know, I kind of kept journals of things. A lot of times when things go on in the news, I try and see like, OK, let me tune in. Let me see what I think is going to happen. And every now and then I'll feel like a sharp turn or a change. It happens in my own life with things, too. Like I'll see a certain project and then. You know, I'll, I'll call someone involved and be like, everything just changed. What just happened? Because the whole energy is going in the opposite direction. And the person will usually be like, oh, I got this phone call and this just went a different way. Um, so I do think the energy that each one of us brings can affect situations. Can it affect a massive situation like that? Yes. Do I think that the truth of the Mueller report is right there for everyone to read? Yes. Do I think that if we don't own things in the here and now, we have to own them once we cross? Yes. Responsibility is responsibility. It's nice when it plays out here on the earthly realm and we can kind of get through it. Yeah, I don't want to go over there and just start getting spanked or anything. No, like, you're I not. have a good time I'm not, at party. I'm not talking about you here. Okay, yeah, I copy that. Okay, and also, well, let's talk about me. Let's end, because we have to wrap this up, but let's let's end with me. I would like to know, so when I had my reading with you probably a year and a half ago, it was just when I was mm -hmm. writing my book, I was in a like a very tumultuous, not a tumultuous time. I was just about to, you know, I was right in the thick of therapy and mm -hmm. I was starting to figure everything out. And I had started writing my book and you had told me it was going to be number one New York Times bestseller, which was right. But 
also I've had previous New York yeah, I don't know that you needed to be psychic to know that about you, Chelsea. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I will, I will, I'll kind of give you that yeah. one. But you did say you were very optimistic about me meeting somebody that I could be in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And I was just starting to open my, my mind to that. So tell me what you think about that and what you feel just by being around me about that. I remember writing down what I wanted in a guy mm-hmm. because you told me to. And Good. I was kind of half-assed, but I did it anyway. I wrote down a lot of what we talked about. I haven't looked at it in a while, but I remember some of it. And then, you know, I told my makeup artist here in New York to do that. I said, you have to write down everything that you want. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're really serious. Great. Because I couldn't tell if I was really serious about meeting somebody or not. I mm-hmm. thought I was, but I was like, do I really want that? And she did it. And she came to my hotel room yesterday and she's like, I did what you said. I wrote it in my phone, which you told me not to. You told me to write it on paper, (laughs) but I wrote it in my phone. She goes, and I met the guy. Yeah, it works. It works. So here's the thing I want to tell you about you. I I remember seeing a relationship for you and I do feel like you had a little um, flexibility in terms of pulling it closer or leaving a little more space. And I think you've done a really beautiful thing in your life. I think you've given yourself this beautiful space to explore and clear and like get really like clean and shiny in terms of your own energy and who you are. I think that's a gift you've given yourself. There is absolutely going to be a relationship. There is no way to change energy and not allow that to flood in. I think it is much closer than you know. I feel like it's right now. It's right on top of you. So either you've just met the person and you don't fully know it yet. You're about to meet the person. It's right here. And I see it evolving over the next year and a half. And it being this really, really deep soul connected relationship that had you tried to arrive at that earlier, you would have missed it. It's like being on a different, you know, yeah, or being on a different floor. Like we're on the, you know, a certain floor right now, like. People three floors below walking, you might not see them. You needed to arrive at yourself before you could arrive at the relationship. And I think there is no way to stop it now in a beautiful way. It is set. Its course is set. Um, The universe has magical ways of drawing people together. I think the really exciting part for you is where is it going to show up? Because I think there are still some surprises for you. And it might interest be like interesting in retrospect you know years later looking back being like look how the universe organized me meeting this person like how it got us in each other's paths so through raya that's a dating app that mm, i'm on that i'm hilarious yeah maybe that's how i'll meet him on a dating app that's not my sense of it okay but well, that i love that you're the out night, there I, you're hilarious i mean you're it's hilarious. seriously we st- i still Here, have to have sex here's the thing too like weak men fear strong women yeah, I don't want to weak fierce. man. You're fierce, right? So we've also needed to wait for everything to be kind of organized because the person you're going to be with is not like anybody you've ever been with before. There's not going to be work you need to do to fix the person, to help them grow. Like, they're going to come at it from a place of being a very evolved soul, too. And so it's going to be an incredible connection and relationship. I think it's going to surprise you in a lot of ways. All right. Well, good. I'm ready. I think I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm ready. I'll report back. You guys will yeah. know if I'm ready. Laura, thank you for coming in to the city and meeting me. It's so good thank to you. see you. I love your books. Aww, and I know you. a lot of other people, too. So it's called Science, the Secret Language of the Universe is her latest book, you guys. If you want something to make you feel warm and fuzzy, then then you should read it. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Life Will Be the Death of Me is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.